Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. It's good to gather here in God's presence. We're thankful that you're all gathered here. And if you're joining us uh, for the first time, I just want to say a special thank you uh, for coming and welcome. And I'd uh, love for you to connect with myself or Pastor Brian after the service um, to learn more about the church. Uh, also, just as we begin, if you have an order of worship, you'll notice the front cover is another one of the photographs from the Lent art show that we are having in our community space. So you can take a look at that. And the inside cover has information about the, um, the show. And also, uh, just a good reminder that today there is an extended time of fellowship after the service over at the Rockwell office and community space. And so you have a chance to see some of the uh, photography there. So that's right after the service. You can head over anytime. And there'll be bagels and coffee uh, there. Um, and so everyone's invited. If you need a ride over, or, uh, especially on this cold Chicago morning, uh, you know, let me know, and I'm happy to help you get it, get it connected to, to get over to uh, Rockwell Street. A couple other things just to mention. Um, if you look at the back of your order, you'll see all the announcements, and uh, I encourage you to take a look at those. But to highlight a, a couple of them, uh, starting next Sunday, this is really important, starting next Sunday, the service will begin at 9 o'clock, uh, not 9.30. So we're going to change our wor worship service time starting in April, April um, the 3rd. And so that will be from 9, and the service will end around 10.10, and uh, so it's just over an hour. Having a little bit longer time will allow us to have some more elements back in our service and also have some time after this, the church service to, to talk to each other. And so that's at 9 o'clock starting uh, next Sunday, and it will still be here, and uh, we'll still offer the same children's classes, and it will still be online um, for people to view. A couple of things just to, to mention that we will have Holy Week services in a couple weeks. There'll be Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Those will be here. You'll see information in your order. The Monday, Thursday is at 7, and the Good Friday is at 6 o'clock um, here at the Nazarene uh, Church Building. And the last thing I just want to highlight is that we, the missions team uh, has set apart uh, a, a way to connect with the Friendship Center, our, our local food pantry, as a part of our Linton kind of mission project. They are in need of a new stove to help uh, feed people as part of their uh, hot meals program and so the missions team is asking us to raise uh, $2,500 towards that and they're going to match that the other $2,500 and so so far we've just under just under $700 that we've collected as a congregation so I invite you to give to that you can do that online or there's offering plates in the back and just write friendship center or stove in the memo and uh, and that will go to that specific project well God's called us to gather um, before I say that, the children are dismissed. I should do that. Children are dismissed for their classes. They can head to the back of the sanctuary and go down to the basement. There's the preschool class and children's worship class that will run throughout the service. Well, God's called us to come and to worship. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. The call to worship today is from Psalm 32. Will you stand and we'll sing it together. Happy are they whose sins are forgiven. Happy are they to whom the Lord imputes no guilt. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Happy are they whose sins are forgiven. Happy are they to whom 
my tongue, my bones withered away, for your hand was heavy on me day and night. But then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt.
invite you to let's let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you have called us and gathered us as your people. And we pause and acknowledge that by your word you have created all life. And we give you thanks for making us in your image. It's by your word that you proclaim the good news of Christ, that sin and death are not the final words. And we give you thanks for your great love to us expressed in Jesus and his grace for us. And we thank you that by your word today, you call us, call us to gather in your presence, to gather as your people together. So we give you thanks that we are not alone, that we're not left simply to our own resources or strength. We give you thanks for this hope that we have in you. And Lord, during this month of March, we've been setting aside time to pray specifically for our church. And Lord, we pray today for our financial needs and we ask that you would provide. We thank you for these last 12 plus years for how you have been generous to us through your people. And we ask that you continue to provide that we may minister to one another and minister to our neighbors in your name. Jesus, you tell us that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we pray that you would help us to be generous people, that we may give, that in our giving, that you may be our treasure, that we may set our hearts on you and your kingdom, and that our money will find its proper place in our life. And Lord, we come and we gather as a people who know the uncertainties of life, and we ask that you would help us to trust you in the midst of our fear, that you provide guidance in the midst of our doubts, that you give us hope in the midst of our grief. And we pray for especially for comfort for those who are facing loss, loss of health, loss of relationship, or loss of one they love. This morning we pray especially for the McNally family as they grieve Jerry's mom passing away. In the shock of this loss, we pray for comfort. We pray for peace in the midst of their sadness, for the hope of the resurrection. But we pause and we pray especially for Jerry and Melinda, call them Lucy and Fred and Noel, and ask for your comfort. Lord, we thank you that you see us and you know us, and we pray that your spirit would be ministering to us this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to continue our worship time through a confession and assurance. You'll see in your order of worship um, that we can pray together, and then we'll have time of silent personal confession. O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Give courage to see our sins and confess them to you. We pray for you to restore us that we may live a life of peace and joy, that you may be glorified by our love for one another. Merciful God, in your presence we confess our sin. Although Christ is among us, we cling to our anger and resentment and our judgment of one another instead of enjoying the freedom of your reconciling love. Set us free to trust in our Savior and to love one another. Amen. I invite you now to take a moment of quiet that you can bring your, your personal needs and your personal confession to Christ.
Lord, we thank you that you hear us when we pray, and thank you for the, the depth of your grace in Christ. The good news that our standing before you is not based on what we have done in the past or what we promise to do in the future, but it's based fully on Christ's work for us. We thank you for gra the grace of Christ that is greater, it's greater than our sin. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with me so that we can uh, say together these words of assurance that come from Matthew 5. Let's join together. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Amen.
The Old Testament lesson is from Joshua 5, 9 through 12. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. The Gospel lesson is from Luke 15, 1-10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Lucy. Good morning. Um, well, for the past uh, number of weeks, we've been working our way through uh, the seri a, a series in the book of Ephesians. And it's right here, towards the end of his letter, that Paul means to, uh, to stir us up, to invite us into the movement of transformation. It's a beautiful journey, a, a captivating one that gets real close, un comfortably close to the broken and corrupted and hurting parts of our lives. But how great, how great is our God that he doesn't just leave us out in the cold, exposed and naked. No, he robes us, he adorns us, calling us to put on the true and holy likeness of Jesus. So let's explore this together. Uh, let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 25 through 28. I will also uh, begin reading at verse 17 just for context. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and, and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that me, he may have something to share with anyone in need. Well, this is God's word. It's given for our good. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful for your word, your word that teaches us, that corrects us, that shepherds us, that reveals us and leads us to the one who can make us whole, your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we pray for that this morning, that by your spirit you would help us to put on the new self in the likeness of Jesus. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, Paul's holy invitation in our passage to put on the new self, this new self that he tells us is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I mean, what a, what a powerful and majestic way of being transformed in our person, right? And so being invited into this, he pivots the church in Ephesus, he pivots us into some very strong and sturdy and spirit-infused words that both lift up and cut deep. <laughs> They're dangerous words, right? And really hard to dismiss because they are magnificently simple. And we, as spirit-filled followers of Jesus, we are quite capable to put on. So what does he say? He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So right away, we are meant to put on truthfulness. And the thing is, this isn't anything new for God's people, right? The, the concern of what is true, what is honest, this is something that, that reaches far back, back even to the garden, back to that beautifully good words at Sinai, right? that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the thing about lying, about living in a deceptive manner is that it is often the public face for the dark, rebellious, twisted realities of our heart that lurk below the surface, out of view from the attention of others. And, and for some of us, living in a false, a deceiving way is, is turned inward, perhaps in your fear of the pain that might come to you, of the hardship that awaits a more honest acknowledgement of need, or even just afraid of being sent out of the garden again, rejected and alone. 
May lying divert the attention of accusations. May lying pushes down the feelings of being orphaned and abandoned under the weight of our own darkness. Lying is also, it's intoxicating. It, it becomes the addiction that, that convinces us that we can hide and preserve relationship, preserve connection, heading off any rejection, any, any judgment or accusation. Living in the shadow of deception can also animate the false reality that we are our own savior, that we don't need a good God or anyone else, right? And falsehood, it, it invigorates our very shiny veneer of religiosity, <laughs> placing our value, our identity in doing all the right things. It undergirds the, the ways that we seek to protect our reputations at, at all costs. It establishes power and supremacy for those who seek to exploit and to use others to fill fragile egos with a sense of righteousness that needs no repentance. I mean, falsehood also upholds a false loyalty, always needing a yes, cutting off and sending away any challenges to a new way of living. And the thing about falsehood is that it gives no space to actually to know, to, to understand the human heart with all its desire and pain. So falsehood, it exists in us as individuals, but as Paul reminds us, being people of truth exists in relationships. I mean, verse 25, it says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, right? And because we are members of one body, we must speak truth to one another. And the imagery is important. To be a member, it carries with it the sense that we are, are truly fused to one another as, as the people of God. It's a work of the spirit. And being truthful is a way we nurture our unity our connection to one another as a church family. And if you start lying to people, <laughs> I mean, just wait and see how lonely you feel. Lying separates people. But sharing the truth and love, it, it, it can bring together. And this isn't just true for God's people. It's true of society as well, right? It's true of every human relationship or institution anywhere. And how much, I mean, how much damage has there been in our society? How much division and suspicion and a deep, deep distrust, how much of that has been sown in our country and, and around the world because there has been such an assault on truth? There are stories, um, even recently in, in Russia, of, a, of journalists or protesters showing video footage, and in, and in some cases, footage that was shot by that person showing it, that they are showing Russian citizens the war and the destruction that's happening in Ukraine. But people dismiss it. They say it's untrue or it's, it's even made up. And I remember one Russian man who had been living in Ukraine, he was back in Russia and he's telling his father about his experience about and his father um, was just saying back to him that the government would, wouldn't lie about something like that, something so severe and consequential. And friends, 
we have to see is that that human life is impossible without truth telling. And so every time you tell a lie, it is that every time we tell a lie, we are assaulting human life. But the other important part of truth telling is that truth and love, they always go together in God's design. Paul's just invited us in verse 15 to this very thing. He, he fashioned after the likeness of Jesus, and he will circle back to this later when he says, be imitators of God, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Even in verse 32, he says, you know, be kind to one another. And truth-telling and love and kindness, they walk hand in hand in God's kingdom. But the reality is sometimes we can convince ourselves, we, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that just giving someone the truth is a loving act. That our responsibility is merely to declare what is true, that how we deploy or embody that truth, that matters much less. But the thing about this way of being, that, that truth telling without love, is that it isn't really about truth. It is about the person giving it. And oftentimes, if that person would uh, entertain perhaps a, a bit of curiosity to, to humble themselves, even it would make for a more honest moment about how the human heart can take something good, like the truth, and deploy it to tear down. We do this for all kinds of reasons. Some of us want to control control someone else's behavior perhaps so that so we shame them with all kinds of good reasons that they should live in a different way and some of us are really angry <laughs> and it's really appetizing it's really cathartic to s to make someone pay by letting them know how wrong or bad or messed up they really are Friends, truth-telling without love is not really truth. But here's the thing. Loving without truth-telling is also not really love. And if a spouse, a friend, never shares the true negative impact that their loved one's actions has had on them, can they have a thriving, a, a loving relationship? If a wife who, who stays at home with the kids never shares how alone and rejected and angry she feels when her husband comes home and disengages and checks out, what will happen to that relationship? Or a friend who never shares how the teasing and joking words of another friend, that, that, that they are often aimed at them, how humiliating and diminishing it is, and how can it how can it make it how how it can make it hard to spend time together if they never share that true experience can those friends have a truly loving relationship if we are being honest there is a weightiness right when we strive to live our relationships with both truth and love i mean it's not easy it often requires immense courage. It, it, it requires patience. It requires 
generosity and, and forgiveness. Like living in truth and love, it is walking with a kind of integrity that is committed to a holy disruption that clings desperately to our union with Christ, the one who will never leave or forsake us. Living in truth and love is living, holding faith that the kindness of God can and will lead me and others out of truly broken and sinful ways that we are living to something far more alive and beautiful. You see, when truthful and loving speech marriages together, then truthfulness never deceives and love never fails. So you may ask yourself some questions as you engage someone. What am I trying to do with my words? What is my intention and what seems to have been the impact of my words? I mean, these are simple questions, but maybe they, they can move us into a more honest reality about what I'm trying to do with my words because we know we can say something that is factually true but designed to deceive. It's factually true, but it is designed to lead away from something more honest. Well, being a true and honest person, instead of being a deceptive and evasive one, it impacts all of our relationships. It makes space to live with integrity in all areas of our life, right? Look at Paul's words again here in, in verse 26. He says, to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. <laughs> right? When you live in a true way, there is a capacity to hold anger and not to sin. You can be honest about your anger. You don't have to, to turn away to cut it off with uh, even religious language. Right? Being honest and truthful about being angry invites uh, a gracious invitation to understand, perhaps even to, to calm the rage. And being angry is, is often the expression of something more hidden and, and underneath, right? I mean, I, I get angry. I get angry at my son, not because I hate him, but I can get angry because his defiance of me, it threatens my own rest. It threatens my own limits to handle his big emotions well. <laughs> and, angry, and anger can be the shortest and most exacting way to find relief from those hard and vulnerable places in me. So friends, not letting the sun go down on your anger is not just about ending your day in, in, in a not angry place. It is about bringing attention and integrity to your own needs and limits and hurts. And not just letting your heart dwell in darkness away from the loving light the sun and the beautiful part beautiful part about attending to your anger to your real hurt is that it upholds the truth right intending to that even bringing that in, in faith to God or allowing another into that it builds up and we become people who start to look more and more like Jesus right and of course the danger of, of hiding of, of raging and anger without attention to the real condition of the heart underneath, it animates the destruction of sin. 
right, to tear down, to, to wound, to curse, to, to destroy someone or even yourself with words. It is a work of evil in the shadows. It's a lonely and a devastating reality when we align ourselves with the kingdom of darkness. But finally, putting on Christ, putting on the truthfulness of Jesus is to do your life's work in an honest and dignifying way. <laughs> Paul says here in verse 28, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. When falsehood becomes our vocation, right, it breaks bad. <laughs> and certainly there are all kinds of professions that lean this way, that, that, that we can pick on, that lean into taking and deceiving, to robbing from other people. But there are all kinds of vocations that, that even bring life and flourishing into this world, and yet the human heart can still seek to exploit and to steal to enslave, to diminish, to deceive in our most noble of professions. Friends, we put on from Christ only what he gives to us. Our work, our mission in this world can be full of honest dignity because we have been clothed in the radiant, <laughs> in the holy, in the self-giving work of Jesus. We are people so in need, and it is the hard-earned, the cross-carrying, saving work of Jesus that has been so lavishly and recklessly shared with you and me. Friends, this is what is true. It is what we are meant to put on, and it is what we are meant to share with those around us. Let me pray for us. Father, we... We thank you that, that if we are members of an honest and truthful, self-giving community, we will become more and more transformed into the likeness of your son. Lord, we are grateful that the clothes that you would have us wear, that they have been made by the perfect and the gracious and the saving work of Christ. Give us faith now to receive and to put on in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us, please, and we'll sing together.
be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, we're going to participate in the sacrament of communion through the prepackaged elements that were at the welcome table as you came in. If you are taking communion today but need, need those, just raise your hand and, and Rob can bring some out to you. We have some. Anybody else need one? Thanks, Rob. Well, this table is set for sinners. Our place at the table is not based on what we have done or promised to do, but by the work of Christ for us, his blood. And it's in the invitation to sinners that in our seat here at the table being by God's grace that it gives us space to be honest. The scriptures tell us to examine ourselves before we come to the table. Examining ourselves can be scary and fearful, as Pastor Brian referenced, but in the grace of Christ, it can bring freedom. Think about what our passage invited us to reflect on, to put away falsehood, to speak the truth with your neighbor or all members of one another, to be angry but do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not steal, but labor with honesty so that you have something to give to those who are in need. This is God's word inviting us to look honestly at ourselves, not to leave us in shame, but to do so as part of God's family at his table, covered in his grace, robed in Christ. So let us be a people who look at ourselves and turn into the grace of Christ, asking for forgiveness and the strength to walk in new ways. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table and for the grace that is here, the broken, the bread that points to your broken body and the cup that speaks of your blood. I pray that as we come in repentance and faith that you'd meet us and strengthen us, lifting our heads that we may walk as your children. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're participating in communion, I invite you to go ahead and, and prepare those to open the, the elements that you have. This table is a witness to the grace of God for you. And on the night that Christ was betrayed after giving thanks, he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. response to this table, I, I invite you to stand with me that we can pray and that we can confess our faith together. Lord Jesus Christ, you have made us so that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Give us a hunger for your word, and in that food satisfy us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers, to all the apostles. This we have received, and this we believe. Amen. Well, I just want to invite you to take a moment to reflect on the generosity of God that and respond with your own generosity. You can give to the church through the, the church's website, or there's silver offering plates in the back that you can give to. Just two other quick, well, quick things. Reminder that next Sunday, <laughs> church starts at 9 o'clock. Next Sunday, 9 o'clock, and that will be our new service time. And also, everyone's invited um, to go to the Rockwell office and community space after the service for bagels and coffee and time together. You can head over anytime and, and uh, be there together. Let's now join together in singing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.